Welcome to the Grown Woman Life Podcast. I'm Rocky Howard, your Chief Empowerment Officer. My mission is to highlight, engage, support, and educate bold, brilliant, badass, professional women over 40. If you are a grown woman, you have absolutely found your tribe. You have tuned into one of our play episodes. During the Grown Woman Life play episodes, our guests shared the experiences, lessons, and practices that they have harnessed, allowing us to take a peek into their personal playbooks. To get the full Grown Woman Life experience, be sure to tune into the accompanying Grown Woman Life Power episode, where that same guest shares aspects from their personal lives that fuel their power. I really do hope you enjoy. Dr. Cheryl Hall Russell is president of BW3 and a chief cultural consultant. Cheryl has spent over 20 years in nonprofit leadership. She has a master's degree in philanthropic studies, a doctorate in education focused on leadership and administration, and a mission to serve organizations who want to genuinely evolve their organizational cultures and make diversity and inclusion an integrated priority. Hey, grown women, Cheryl Hall Russell is bringing her whole soul with her to her second Grown Woman Life episode. If you miss Cheryl's power episode, please go check it out and learn more about Cheryl's family, career, experience, and I promise you, you can't help but be impacted. In today's episode, Cheryl shares her grown woman plays with reality and reflection. And these include... There are times that I have measured things as failures when they're learnings. So I am much more about wisdom than I am strength. I had, I had to figure out what works for me. Wow, the toughest lesson I've learned in my career, forgiving myself. I have to get up and go in and know that whatever I'm doing means something. Cheryl, talk to me a little bit about success. How do you define success? Um... So, whew, that's not as easy as it sounds because I've done a lot of things. I've, I've, you know, some of it is is, is work. Um, you know how how am I using my skills and talents to help others? I'm successful when somebody else is elevated, uh, and, I, and I've, I've changed the the organizations that I work with are better. The people that I coach are bolder. Um, but then there's the family aspect of it that my children are whole. That, that my daughter is, is launches from here, very capable of doing her thing, um, that the role I play in my family is, is, uh, is seen as one that is, is helpful to my, my aging mother, to my siblings, uh, to my family. I'm a, I'm a writer. I write our stories. You know, I'm the girl in my family. I'm the one that, that you know, does all of that. Um, so, uh, it's not just doing no harm. It is, is, is supporting both family and friends and self. So I'm successful when I get up in the morning and I feel pretty good that day about who I am. I look at my calendar and I understand that the work that I'm doing is, is helping. It's going to leave a mark, a positive mark, and that the impact on my children um, is, has been a positive one because they, they continue this long past being gone. I want them to think back to both the crazy because I'm a crazy mother. I'm, I am, <laughs> I'm laughing crazy. I am intense. There are going to mm-hmm. be stories at this funeral that are going to be, I know, I can. I wish I could record the take with me. But 
but there, there's there's all kind of sides of me and I don't hold any of those back from them, uh, both the struggle and the victory. I, I let them learn and we discuss because I think those are the tools that are going to help them when I'm gone. Absolutely. Uh, and they get to use it all. It's, there's a theme that I heard even before you said the word as I was listening to what you said, what it seems to be about is impact and authenticity. That's how oh, you define boy. success is impact Absolutely. and authenticity. And so I'm curious, has that definition changed over time, do you think? Or do you think that's always been what's driven, you know, your barometer of success? I'm hyper mission driven. Whatever job I have, I've been attracted to it because I think it's impacting something in some kind of measurable way. I have to get up and go in and know that whatever I'm doing means something. So, I mean, I think it's probably why I ended up leaving the insurance industry that, that I was in because I didn't feel like the where I was making good money. I was mm-hmm. traveling. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't measure whose life I was impacting in any kind of mm-hmm. real way. And so I made that shift. And it's not to judge those who do that work. It is just a very personal journey for me. So the impact thing was always now what has majorly changed is authenticity because I did um, feel like I had to, you know, I was the girl with the, with the long hair way past my shoulders that, you know, that, that wouldn't have missed a perm uh, if you paid me for a long time. I, um, I was the person now in retrospect that was shifting in the room. I used my humor to make white people comfortable. I used, um, those first 10 minutes to let them know that I was okay because I know what I needed. And I used it most strategically because, you know, I've always been a strategist. So I need to get from point A to point B. If you're uncomfortable with me, you're not going to, you're going to put stuff in front of me. So Absolutely. what I'm going to do is gonna get put you the comfortable. Right? All the way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make you comfortable. But then it got to a point again, late forties, early fifties, like, you know what? I'm kind of over this because what I'm bringing is okay. And shifting I don't think I felt I was shifting into white, but I was shifting into the standard. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the standard, I didn't believe in. I, it just, mm-hmm. it was not how I worked. It was not how I was raised. It was not how, in some ways, Black people worked. It, it wasn't me judging that standard because I'm never, as a Black woman, I've not been able to set be the standard bearer. We don't get to be standard bearers. Uh, so we always have to adopt and adjust. And so I got to a point that I could respect standards, but if they didn't necessarily fit what I needed, that authenticity was, I'm not going to do this like this. I'm going to explain to you why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it. And I'm going to be successful getting there, but I'm going to need to teach you that your way is not always the right way. Let's try something. Let's be creative here. Let you listen to the, what I'm trying to do and to get the confidence enough to say, mm, I'm going to opt out of that. Let's try it this way. And that's where authenticity kicked in for me. I wasn't bold enough to hit the override buttons on things that I was being told were standard operating procedures for this is how executives work. This you were CEO. This is how you should do it. And and the self-oppression that I saw in black women. Um, When I went natural with my hair, I had black women, um, mostly older black women, but some younger than me who, who took me out to lunch and had an intervention with me to say that in this space, I really needed to be careful with how I was wearing my hair. And how bold I was being in my in my walk because something, you know, they were afraid for me. And I said, so me wearing my natural hair, another black woman is saying to me that they're afraid for me. So that triggered me in a way that that made me sit in there and think, man, how unhealthy is this? This constant internal crushing of ourselves. And so I just don't want to be a party to that. That doesn't mean I have to that I dislike what you do. 
It's just I like what I'm bringing too. So let's do this together. That's it's so powerful. And can we not respect? I think there's when, when you speak about that, we could do a whole episode on this, but I do want to call out a few nuggets there, right? It's mm-hmm. not that you're judging how someone else just chooses to set their standard of beauty or how they see Absolutely. themselves or how they interact in the world. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's really important as women, as women over yes. 40 and as women of color for us to recognize that you have to set your own standard of beauty and we can't judge everybody else. And you have to walk through the world with your skills, Mm -hmm. your values, and Mm -hmm. you have to have the courage to opt out of situations where that's not valued or respected. And that's what you're saying. That takes maturity and value. Look, you, you know what? Back in the day, we I've talked about this on the uh, on other episodes. You know, I'll rock a weave and, and pop in some contacts in my eyes in a Hello. minute, girls. I, no it's worries. It's about choice. It's about choice. The problem was at the point in time where I thought that's what I had to look like right? That becomes the problem. And I remember some of the same conversations. I, I literally left a company because I didn't get promoted because I wore dreadlocks at the time. And I was Mm. the head of when natural was cool. And I remember when the person I was interviewing with before I interviewed said, you know, would you be willing to um, forego your dreads? Would you be willing to straighten your hair? And I said, absolutely not. You were already checked I, out at that point. I recognized that there was a consequence for that choice. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the consequence was I needed to go someplace else. And I remember oh, yeah. um, having a conversation with someone I respected who was an old school IBMer. And she did the same thing and said, now you're interviewing, you know, you, you need to straighten that out or put a wig on it. Absolutely. I don't want to work anywhere where yes. I am going to be judged by this because I'm going to sustain what that. I do. You're going to have to sustain that lie. And that, that's what I bring in. And that's what I have to say to them. This is who I am. And I'm not willing to shift that bar. And so I need to know right, right away that if this isn't acceptable to you, that's okay. But you're not questioning right. my creativity anymore. No. The way I lead as a leader, I'm a storyteller. And I've always been a writer and a storyteller. And that is very much a part of my leadership. I share, I'm generous with sharing my own experiences as well as the stories of others, uh, you know, privately. I don't mean I'm out in anybody. But but I integrate that in, and it is how I inspire those who work for me. This is, you know, but so some of my, the ways I do things may not be in, you know, I've got graduate degrees. Heck, I got a doctorate. But I had to figure out what works for me and what works for the teams that I lead and are are led. And it may not be standard. And then I had to get to, to the point that, but I've been really successful doing it this way. And so if that works for you over here, then that's your thing. But Cheryl has figured herself out and what's worked. And I'm also open to hear when it's not working. And I adjust in those things, but I can't adjust my entire being. My soul comes with me and I'm not willing to give that. Oh, so ladies, that's the point that I want you to hear, especially for, again, us women, us women over 40, us women of color who are in leadership responsibilities, you have a responsibility to bring your soul 
with you, you have a responsibility to lead authentically, right? And and so Cheryl, let me ask you this, because I think it's very much tied to kind of the conversation we're having. How would you describe your personal values? Mm-hmm. So um, respect is real high on that. Um, respect leads a lot of things. It is because I do diversity, equity, inclusion work. It is, it's not only the, the, the conversation we just had about not pigeonholing people or myself. Uh, it's respecting other people's walks, other people's experiences. Uh, that value of respect is a lead for me because it, it infiltrates so many other aspects of, of my life and my being. And when I walk into a room talking about really tough topics around DEI, um, but I, I also demand that back, uh, and I'm clear about that. And so I, I, you know, so that, that, that's my, that's probably a lead value for me. Um, kindness, which mm. sounds, um, Pollyanna, it, it's, it's not, there is a way to do things that you, you can't impact people if you can't get them close enough to you to have an impact. And so if you lead with swinging a bat, there is, is very, there's just not a lot of room left at that point. And so doing this work has been humbling in that way, that, that there are people who I'm appalled at where they are in, in, this, in this conversation on equity. And but I have to listen and respect where they're coming from. Uh, you know, some of them are so out of pocket that they don't even want it. And I'm not trying to go there with you because I, I, I can't. But, but to slow down enough and try to hear their stories. And understand what's influenced their behaviors, um, and 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 give them that space to talk and learn. Because if I don't, if I shut down right away, and, and I'm unkind in how I do this, uh, then we get nowhere. We've just we have just bounced off of each other, and neither of us have walked away with anything worth redeeming. Um, so respect and kindness go together. Because if you're extremely disrespectful to me, that's not kind. And so you shut me down at that point where we're, we're like, oh, it was great meeting you. Mm-hmm. And, and I've moved on. Um, there is a, that's not, I don't know if it's a value. There's a deliberateness in my walk. Um, I, I don't, I don't waste a lot of words or a lot of time. Um, I am focused about where I'm going next. I'm flexible, but I'm pretty sure about the kind of impact that I want to have. And mm-hmm. so I, I value that time that I spend. I'm bringing all of all of myself in the room. When I sit with you, I'm going to bring my attention and my time and my focus to that space because this has been a planned thing. Uh, if I'm coaching you or if I'm working with your organization, if I'm your friend if we're, and we're having that moment, I try to fully bring myself and be present in that, in that time and be very deliberate about that. Because I know how wonderful that feels when somebody does that for me. And so I'm really working at trying to be more d- deliberate and, and thoughtful and, and, and space in that one-on-one time that we get with, with one another, whoever that is, and whatever time that is. So I value that. I love that. So this will be interesting. When you think about your personal brand and mm-hmm. how you show up in the world, yeah. um, do you tie that to the same respect, kindness, and deliberateness that that uh, you attribute to your values, or would you describe your personal brand a little bit differently? No, I think it's it all fits in. When I walk in a room, um, and I, I'm always laughing at myself because I, you know, 
I do a lot of cultural assessments of organizations to kind of see where they are. And then I do a lot of training and facilitation. And especially if I'm doing any kind of race training and, and uh, stuff around implicit bias and all this other stuff, I will say right away, there is a curvy black woman with a head full of coily hair that just walked in this room who's quite happy with who she is. You you saw her you and how you interpreted her is what we were going to have a conversation about. You know, some mm-hmm. of you will see me as a beautiful woman. Others will see me as less than because of the package that I that I delivered. You know, when I walked in this door, you need to know, understand how I see me. And this will go a long way in this conversation we're about to have. And wow. so and so I don't um, uh, don't bring myself as perfect in any way, but I, I quickly allow people to see me both my strengths and my weaknesses. I share them. I share them uh, freely because I think it moves conversations forward. I think it allows them to be authentic. I, I, I my authenticity allows other people to be that. And so the people who are drawn to me now into my brand are people who really want to have honest conversations. I, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make it to certain DEI things. If it's DEI marketing light, I am not interested. If you want to talk about diversity only and how it makes your organization look and all that other stuff, people know not to call me because it's not, it's not what they're going to get. You just not, you wasted your time and money. And I, and I'm not going, I'm not going to show up because in the first interview with you, and I realize that's what you're doing. I'm going to probably say, I'm not your girl. I know some other light consultants that you could use, but <laughs> I'm not it. <laughs> And so that branding uh, has been important to me. The post, the way I even post on social media, there, there is a um, a very directness about it. Now, other people are like, well, "I can't believe you said that," but why you know, not? Say right? Things don't, you know, don't hire a DEI executive when you want a marketing exec. Don't do that. Here's what this looks like, and here's what you're doing to the people who who really thought you were sincere about impacting your company's culture when they realized what you just did was hire a, a marketing person to externally say your culture is equitable. Um, and so I, I post things like that. This is why this is important. This is the impact that you have. So that's, that is a brand that I'm building as a, as a authentic, skilled uh, facilitator of difficult conversations. Yeah. I think that you just point out something really powerful and another nugget that I want the grown woman life audience to take away is that, your brand should be aligned with your values and Mm. what you're trying to attract in the world. If if your brand and what you're putting out there and your actions are not aligned, you're, you're going to have a struggle. And if you're wondering why you always find yourself with Mm. the wrong circle of people or in the wrong circumstances or dare I go there? Because honest to God, I haven't had to do this in 30 years, but with the wrong man, Hello. my challenge back would be, is your brand and are your actions aligned to what you want and what you want to attract? And I think you just outlined that for us really beautifully, because sometimes fear mm-hmm. doesn't allow us to be authentic about who our brand is because we're so worried about what other people are going to think. The problem is, is they're thinking the wrong thing because you haven't been truthful about who you are and who your brand is. That is so what I was ready to say. When you keep saying to yourself, I can't believe they did this to me. They don't even know who I am. You have to also say to yourself, you didn't tell them who you were. You didn't tell them. They don't know you because you didn't tell them. You have spent Mm -hmm. so much time trying to accommodate 
that when the real and you come through every now and then, people are like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Wh- what was that? Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know, today I'm me. I'm going to show you. And they're like, wait, we got to get to know you because you spent a lot of time not being you. Yeah. And so I don't I don't let you waste that time with me. You go. You go love me or not. You're going to, you know, but I do not waste that time anymore. I, yeah. And it's, it's not something, I think when we start off early in our careers, there is this adjusting because we're still learning. Of we're course, still not you don't know who there. you are. You don't yeah. know who you are yet. We, you, you don't. And and that's okay. And 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 whoever is listening and is younger, you know what? You are making your way. You are building your brand and do you. And but we've all been I'm there. And it's part of the journey. Right. I'm guaranteeing you, if you're lucky, you'll figure out clearly who you are and what you bring in. I hope you don't get to the end of your career and have, and have, and have shifted your way through your entire career. I hope you find that space and that place where you are really, truly okay with you, that you're growing. Because I'm constantly growing and learning. And, you know, it doesn't mean I'm stunted, but I kind of know, you know, what drives me at this point. And once that that was freedom, like you would not believe. Mm-hmm. It is that it that is. is true freedom and understanding well, I, that. I love that. Yeah. I feel like you were generous earlier and kind of helped walk us through the career path you've been on with the travel mm-hmm. and transitioning from insurance and going back to school and getting your degree, etc. Yeah. So I feel like we under and and you've told us obviously what you do for a living. What I'm curious about at this time is. What do you think the toughest lesson you've learned in your career is? Wow. The toughest lesson I've learned in my career. Um, forgiving myself. Mm, please speak on that a little bit more. There are times that I have measured things as failures when they're learnings. And so I have wasted an enormous amount of time judging myself, saying, why weren't you able to do A, B, or C? I think I did have some kind of, 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 of cape on that I thought I was mm. not going to fail at some things. And I, because if I did the work, I did the homework, I got the education, I had the experience and somehow I wasn't supposed to fail in any way. And so when failure came or what I perceived as failure, I had a hard time forgiving myself. And I would play those tapes over and over and over again about what I should have done, could have done. This is what this should have looked like had I not done that. And I never just said, Hey, you know what? You you really either either you did screw up, you know, you actually did this. What you learn from it, or something actually was out of your power for once, woman. You can't control everything, and it's over. How are you just going to move forward and forgive yourself for first of all taking on other people's stuff, or not even being attuned to the stuff that you were bringing in the room? How are you going to learn from that and say you're still a good person? You still have high capacity. You you got a bump. Forgive yourself. And it took me a long time to do that. And so that is very powerful um, because you can get stuck for years mm. on, on stuff and, and, and just, you have to do it. And it, it is not a saying that you didn't do something wrong or anything else. It is just that I made a mistake or I had a bump and forgive yourself the way you forgive others, because often we're much more generous with other people than we are with ourselves. Absolutely. I and never judge myself as harshly. I mean, judge other people as harshly as I judge myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfectly well, well said. Do you think that that perspective that you have now 
is the benefit that maturity has had on your career? What, what impact do you think maturity has had on your career? It's both maturity and surrounding myself with reflectors. And mm. when I say that, it's, it's in my, I have a circle of women and, and of people. There's family, it's women, but I call them my reflectors. And so when I get in that space where I am dragging myself by my own hair, my little puff is I got hair flying out of it because I'm dragging myself down the steps and everywhere else. My <laughs> reflectors go, are you serious with this? Mm-hmm. You know, that, and they remind me that you are constantly doing this. Why are you doing this to yourself? You know, didn't you get beat up enough by them that you that you continue to do this to you? What You get off on this? What is this about? Mm-hmm. And boy, is that humbling. And so mm-hmm. when I get humbled by by my reflectors and they and they are sometimes very kind. Sometimes they, they, they do hit me with that brick in the head, but um, I don't have a bunch of yes people in my corner. I have people who really know me. And so um, both family and friends have allowed me to mature into that person who, when they see me going there, they would just stop. You hear it. Like, are you doing this again? No, 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 sis. Step out of that. You know, here's what you did because we watched the whole thing. So let us reflect back on this whole situation and let us, this is what you told us. We saw this on the train, on the tracks. You decided you were just going to keep driving. So you, you know, no, we're not going to let you do this. And so I make sure those people are in my circle. I make sure I'm there for others in in a similar circle. And that way we don't waste months and years of our time regretting our steps. Um, Well, and we got one path. Yeah. We get one time with this. Don't waste the time. But I think you've said something else that's really key and important. If the people around you are constantly saying, oh, yeah, baby, you're right. Oh, yeah, you're Mm. right. Oh, yeah, da-da-da-da-da. You don't have the right people around you. You're not growing. You're not growing. Duck. And they always want to, girl, you know how smart you are. They should have done so-and-so. They, you know, every now and then they say, "Mm, sis, I don't know if I'd have taken that meeting like that. And so now what happens is, is we all call each other before. Not only do we reflect after something happens, I got to meet tomorrow or I got a such and such is going on tomorrow and it's a personal relationship. This is what I plan on saying, what you think. I got people I can call and do that with. And there are people who call me and do that with. And we practice and then we talk about whether it worked or it didn't work. But that is so much more helpful. And I'm so much more open to my vulnerabilities now than I used to be to say I'm scared or I'm unsure or uh, can you help me? And I absolutely was shut down to those vulnerabilities for a big chunk of my early career. I needed Fine. to be successful yes. and strong and all of this other stuff. And um, man, that wall was up because I'm this strong black woman. And I don't call myself a strong black woman anymore. The name of my company, it's BW3. It stands for Black Women, Wise Women. I love that. Black women, why? Because I'm wise, but that strength thing, that can snap you when the wind blows really hard. But when you're wise, you're smart enough to figure out how to get back up. Absolutely. And so I am much more about wisdom than I am strength. I that I love that. So grown women, be about wisdom. Don't be about strength, right? Speaking of wisdom, strength, myth, reality, all of that. <laughs> Tell me this. I'm always curious to see what women say about this. Is work-life balance a myth or a reality? It's a myth. 
The last um, qualitative researcher, the a wise so, one, tell us why. <laughs> so because it's like it's like a 50-50 marriage. I mean, who has that? You know, remember you're young and you're like, as long as I knew it's somebody and it's 50-50 and these relationships and you're like, oh, now some days you 80, some days at 20, some days you 10 and they're 90. That's work-life balance to me. I think you should always strive for it. I think you have to know when your break point is, not, not, not just a break point. I think you need to know when you're heading that way. When you get out of green zone and the yellow zone and that yellow is, is, is starting to head to red. You have to be honest with yourself. Is this going to change? What is going to change about this situation that's going to allow me to continue to take care of my family and my sanity? And if you see nothing down the road that's going to change significantly about that job, that's going to keep you completely out of balance, you need to figure something else out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And scarily, now this is maybe controversial. Sometimes it's the same way about your personal life. It's not about choosing getting rid of your personal life or your job. I don't mean it in that way, but sometimes you're in stuff and personal relationships that have been on red for a long time and they're depleting you and you're down to nothing. And you keep thinking to yourself, if I just give this another year, if I just, you, you just wasted another year and probably some brain cells and the additional 50 pounds that you just gained and, uh, and, uh, and, your time and, and energy, uh, emotional health is a hot mm-hmm. mess then I, I look at that as both job and work. There are times you have to know your limits and there is no reason to run all the way into red before you get out. You don't I have to get that. to it because by the time you get to red, you have damaged yourself in, in a big way. Don't get to red. Know what red is because sometimes you just have to go to work that day and say, you know what? Today is the day that I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. But no yellow because yellow gives you time to plan. When you're in yellow and you know this is not going to work, then yellow lets you go, okay, so here's what I'm going to do because I know this is heading to red. These are the things. These are the things I need in my toolbox. This is the opportunities that I'm going to have to take. This is the training I'm going to need to do. These are the conversations I'm going to need to have in order to get me back get me back to green. And that's what yeah. I do now. I, I know those signals. I can feel them. My spidey senses go up now. And I'm like, oh, women do not crush your, your intuitive kind of we are taught all the time to crush that intuition. That intuition is amazingly valuable. And I teach my 17-year-old daughter about that all the time. If this doesn't feel right, probably it's not right. Stop hitting the override button. Right. And, and so I just want to add one thing to that because there's not a lot I can add that that I could say better. But ladies, when the when you get in that yellow zone mm-hmm. and your intuition is telling you and your flags are going off, right? The, the problem is, is that two things I find consistently keep women stuck there, either mm-hmm. fear or loyalty. Um, mm-hmm. you, you, you need to work through Ooh. all of that. But you can work through that and get back in the Ooh. green in a different set of circumstances. Stop wasting your time. The only thing I have less than the money is time and it is valuable mm-hmm. and you do not need to waste it by some false sense of commitment or loyalty to someone or something that given the reverse, they don't have that same for you. So please make sure when your senses start going off and you know, you're in that yellow zone, do not let fear and loyalty keep you there longer than you need to be. Yeah. There was a, I think it was an NDRE that talked about, there's a song and, um, 
since your foot's on the on the pedal and your hands in the air, you know, this is whole kind of you're still driving hard. But where are you going? Mm-hmm. You know, come back to the middle. That's what that was. It was like coming mm-hmm. back to the middle. And mm-hmm. and and there, you know, there are a couple songs in my in my life. Jill Scott had one that <laughs> probably ended up with me being a single woman now. And <laughs> you know, I'm lonely whenever you're around. Mm-hmm. You know, that that feeling of you're giving up so much of yourself, but you're not getting anything else back. There's, you know, and how do you get that back? And that whole idea of just flying down the highway towards something, your ego is driving you there. But where are you going? Mm-hmm. When you get there, do you know? Mm-hmm. Do you know Would you recognize success? it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you even recognize you, it? Right. And, 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 I, and I have to say that um, repeatedly, do you know what success looks like? And can you celebrate it when you get there? Because if you're always striving and it never feels like it's quite right, then you haven't had a measurement of success in place. You haven't. You you just are going, but there's not a there's not a destination, and you need to set a place that you can celebrate winning. Yeah, you know, I, is it? little wins, big wins, but you gotta at some point along that journey say, I accomplished this. I feel really good about where I am. Well, yeah. it's it's about recognizing it, but it's also to your point about taking the time to celebrate it. You know, because yeah. we get so caught up in humility, heaven mm-hmm. forbid we stop and brag on ourselves or take a minute to celebrate. Oh, absolutely. Don't be arrogant about it, but take the time to celebrate a win. You worked hard for it. You need to recognize it. That gives you the ability to recharge your batteries, to right. feel that moment of victory, to share those lessons with other people and then move forward. But don't miss that moment, right? And I still miss it. I had a friend of mine grab me up the other day and I was running through and I said, you know, I had this goal or money and I wanted to earn because, you know, I need to consistently be here in order to, you know, be comfortable, handle my stuff, not live large, but handle my stuff. He looked at me and he said, do you know what you just said that you're doing, that you're earning and what you've been able to do in in, in, in less than three years? I said, yeah. And I kept talking. He said, no, stop. Stop. (laughs) He said, I don't know many people who've been able to do that. I don't know any black women, period, who have done it the way you have. And maybe my circle small. And he laughed about that. But he said, I watch you run through that conversation as if you're taking that for granted. Mm-hmm. Don't take that for granted what you just did. You need to sit in that for a minute. And I remember my urge was to kind of laugh about it because that's what I do. But I remember purposely stopping myself and saying, I have done that. I did mm-hmm. build that. Mm-hmm. And wow, you're right. But the other chair would have quickly said, oh, that ain't nothing. Now here's what I got to do next. You know, mm-hmm. but now I don't do that. I'm trying to not do that anymore. I still have some of that in me, but I'm trying to sit back every now and then and go, wow, you said you were going to do that. It happened or this didn't quite work out, but now you learned something. So how are you going to do that differently? Right. Right. I love that. Let's come back to a bit about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. What's the thing you like most about yourself? <laughs> um, the thing that probably makes other people crazy. I, I have an energy for life. I am constantly trying to figure out how to challenge myself. What is that next thing? Um, I am excited a lot about what's out there next and, and scared to, you know, I, I take on too much stuff on my plate sometimes and I'm like, I cannot believe I didn't turn that down. But I, I love the fact that at 59, I don't think about 
Um, it's not, and, and, and don't take this in a judgy way at all about where other people are, but I love that I'm okay with not absolutely knowing where everything is, where, where mm-hmm. the next steps are going to be. I am, you know, I'm, I'm responsible financially and all of that, but I don't know next year what, what contracts I'm going to have. I don't, and there's something like, I'm okay with that. I'm ready to, to, to stretch myself still. I'm constantly educating myself and stretching myself. And that um, that energy I that was probably ADD as a kid, they probably labeled me with. But right now it is a, it is is my um, it's my life force. I love is, that. Yeah. And I and I don't quench that for anybody. I think I spend a lot of time um, quenching that life force because it seemed to be a lot for people. And and I and I did. I self-regulated. I I did this thing of pulling it in. And now I don't anymore. I'm like, not to, to get in. I'm not trying to get on somebody else's nerves. I, I know my space, but I, I don't allow you to tell me what I can and cannot do, what I can't reach. Uh, because I'm going to reach it as long as I feel like reaching. And I'm not going to allow you to slap my hands when I do that. And don't so. Don't allow, don't allow people. That's a, It's a key nugget. Don't allow people to tell you what you can and you cannot reach grown women. You decide what you can reach. You decide. Um, here, Somebody's here's always thing. trying to govern that. that Even at this point in my life, there are still people trying to put a cap on that for me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, you put your own cap on. I'll decide when it's time. But if I'm not there yet, I'm not going to allow you to, to, to tell me. And they will do it in very subtle ways. Oh, yeah. Girl, that's a risk. You mm. sure you want to do that? I mean, I'm not trying to rain on your dream. Mm-hmm. And I, at the same time, they're doing all are you that. Sure you wanna, are you sure you want to say that? Mm-hmm. Are you sure you want to apply for that job? Right. Are you sure? Like that dress, well, you know, I mm, that's kind of courageous for you to wear. I don't... Right. The, oh, you're that. bold and doing that. And then, and it's, and, and it's, it, you it's, sure you want to cut all your hair off? Well, <laughs> and the thing is, the older you get, your filter for that stuff gets real clear. I see it coming and I'm like, I will shut it down uh, politely and sometimes not politely, depending on how you're delivering it. But I will not allow you to, to infiltrate my, my soul that way. I don't, I don't have space for that. So, uh, or I will reflect it back. This may not be a choice for you, but it is for me. But I'm okay with it. And I'm, yeah. I'll be accountable for what happens on the other end, but I, I've got to go. Mm-hmm. I got to go. Yeah. To do all of that, we need energy and we need to make sure that we are recharged. So what's your mm-hmm. favorite way to pamper yourself or to recharge your batteries? A um, couple things. So I have a good friend who's a, camp, who's a hiker. And she's really gotten me involved in that. And so we do West Coast trips. You know, I took a huge one. I flew out to met her in San Francisco. She drove from Pittsburgh to San Francisco. I did not do that. But I flew out. I got in the car. We we good to, went to the Redwoods. We were on the ocean. We were climbing up five, 6,000 feet up into the some mountains in, in Southern Oregon. We drove the coast through uh, Portland and up into Seattle. Uh, last year, about a year and a half ago, we jumped in the car and we drove from Pittsburgh to Denver. Wow. We stopped along the way. We had Airbnb set up. It was four of us, you know, good friends. And we all, you know, we switched off driving and we had all our hiking gear. We got to Denver. We got to our Airbnb and we went up in the Rocky Mountain National Park and we just hiked and talked and 
that is a, that complete disconnect for me once a year is important. This year, pretty sure I'm going to be going to Ghana and I'm going to go with some girlfriends and I'm going to spend 10 days. Uh, I've never been on the African continent with a number of zillion countries I've been to. I've not been on the African continent. This is my year for my 60th. I'm going. And yeah. so that unplugging, that complete and utter unplugging, it takes it. I ain't going to lie. It takes me about three days to do it. I can get on the plane, and get there, but it's mm-hmm. going to take some time before mm-hmm. the bone checking slows down and all of that. But once it happens, I, I can feel it shift out. The other thing is on, on a daily, um, I do alternative fasting. So every other day I don't eat. Um, and I, you know, I drink a lot of fluids, um, take my vitamins and stuff. It's got, it's focused me, believe it or not, I'm not hungry on those days that I don't eat, but it's also given me this kind of renewed energy that I did not expect. And I'm working my way toward, uh, being vegan. Wow. Um, and so that's a big thing at 59. Uh, I'm not huge into meat, so it's not, you know, but I love my fish and I love my, but I recently downloaded and I get in my inbox every week, a complete root uh, and plant and plant-based diet that, okay. um, and so I'm going to be traveling out to LA for a client next week. But when I get back, it is my intent to minimally do that four days a week um, to just see how I feel because God has blessed me with really great health, but uh, you know, there's a reality to aging. And so um, I want to kind of prepare for that by preparing my body and my mind for those changes that could occur and delaying any illness that I possibly can and accepting those that may come my way um, as just a part of my journey. But I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not inviting them. You know, I'm, I'm going to resist as yeah, long we, as I can. You don't have to open the door. <laughs> right. But our diet has a lot of has a lot to do with how we we journey in that in that last half. And the reality of that um, is, is it's not going to be easy. And I'm going to forgive myself when I mess it up. But I am definitely trying to do that um, because I chose to have a child at 42. And so I want to be here for her as long as I can. And taking care of my health is, is a big part of that. Yeah. Love that. Let me ask you this. Why do you think it's important for women who, you know, so, so there, there are people like you who certainly have devoted their whole life to a cause and a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people like me who are a bit more capitalistic and I'm a money grubbing capitalist pig, right? As joke around my family, my family will listen to that and, and I'll laugh. Um, but, but, you know, there, there are certainly some of us who are not necessarily called to work in this space, but I right. still think it's important for women to contribute to either nonprofits or just finding their cause that's outside yes. of work, right? Like, how, why do you think it's important to, for women to find and contribute to their cause? Because this world is so much bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have, a lot of us have opted to marry and have children and, and, you know, we are the, the kind of keepers of the planet for now. But this thing goes on. We are constantly needed to invest in those who are, are coming up beside us and, and who will soon be up ahead of us. It depends on how you do your measurements. And so to think that we are somehow so individual in, in our space, it's such a, a selfish space to think it's just about who you are. I don't care how you earn your living. There has got to be a, a, something that you identify with. You need to figure out what that is. You know, what mine is can be amazingly different than what yours is. But figure out what what gets you up in the morning. Figure out something that helped you that you want to give back to something that you worry about. 
and, and, and get on a freaking computer if you have to and say, who's doing this work? If you don't have time to set aside, then who who's doing this work that you want to financially support? Because you don't get to just walk alone. None mm-hmm. of us have. If you think you made it up that ladder by yourself, shame on you, because none of us did. And so, you know, what what continues to to be important to you that 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 do you lose sleep over? Those are the kind of things I decide to invest my time in. A lot of times it is it is young black girls for me who turn into these leaders and who I did not have. I mean, I had nonprofit leaders in my family, but it was kind of organic. Nobody had the kind of professional experience that I ended up with. I had to kind of reach outside my my circle of family to, to understand how some of this stuff worked. And so now I try to make sure that those women who were like me, who didn't have that to reach to, they have me. I give part yeah. of that to myself. I do it with my writing. I, I write about certain things. I grab their rails. Uh, I try to make myself available because I can't always afford to give financially the way I can, but I have a gift on storytelling. I have a gift of writing. There are other ways that I have learned how to be generous that are not necessarily around writing a check or, or showing up as a volunteer every Saturday at a soup kitchen. There's so an abundance of ways in which we can, it can get back. And I think it is, is it's our rent for living. It is definitely, mm-hmm. um, that is not my quote, obviously, but it is, I really believe that is our rent for, for being given what we've gotten. Um, try to help somebody else do it. So get outside yourself. Yeah. Figure out how are you going to do that? Cheryl, tell me how this audience can best support your endeavors. Um, there's a couple things. Yeah, again, you can follow me on LinkedIn and uh, and and challenge me. I don't mind being challenged. I, I don't mind you having differences of opinion. I'm very serious about diversity, equity, and inclusion work. I don't um, when I, when I do this work and I'm called to do this work. I really spend a lot of time talking about culture itself. You know, it's part of my title. I'm a culture consultant, and so don't let folks. Um, if you want to talk to me about how to talk to other people about issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion, I'm very open to that, uh, to consulting on projects or if someone is trying to take on a DEI initiative in there, they have no idea how to go about it. You know, that's part of the work that I do is to, to, to comfortably sit you down and see where you are now and where you're going. And so um, I don't just do work in Pittsburgh. I do it nationally. Um, in L.A. next week, I've, you know, a lot of stuff by, online. Um, but, but yeah, that's, um, support the work, support the honesty in the work and the DEI work. Don't let folks get away with having this as a marketing tool. If you need to understand what this looks like, um, then I'm going to be as directed with you as possible on, on how to do that. You can hit me up on my, on my website, which is bw3culture.com. Um, that's, that's where I, I, I try to keep that up. You know, who my new clients are, all my blog, blog spaces there as well. Um, but BW3 for black women, wise women. <laughs> so it's BW3culture.com and you can reach out and see what I'm up to. Love that. We'll make sure that all the links to all of your, both your website and your social media connections are in the show notes of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining the Grown Woman Life podcast. Make sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, 
Pinterest, and Twitter. The links are below in the show notes. I'm Rocky Howard, and I sincerely appreciate the gift of your time. Go live boldly, show your brilliance, and be a badass.